This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Monday, August 2nd of 2021. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. We work in your conversation from the beginning that way. Akalon says on Twitter, that was an embarrassing weekend for the Mariners. Embarrassing. And you have a right to be mad about it. I don't have high standards for the Mariners. You shouldn't really either. No one else should. It's been a fun year. But when you lose 2-3 or to the Texas Rangers, that's pathetic. Blowing ninth inning leads in back-to-back games to said crappy team. It shouldn't happen. Ever. Once, okay. Back-to-back. So when you combine that with the clubhouse backlash to the Kendall Graveman trade, who's been pretty good in one appearance for Houston thus far, one and a third innings pitched, three strikeouts against San Francisco, I believe, on Friday. And then no more moves made by the trade deadline after I went off the air at 11 o'clock on Friday. You are well within your right to be angry with the team. I'm a little mad at them right now. They still can't score, and they're turning this guy, Jonah Heim, into David Ortiz. This is what he did on Saturday. 2-2 pitch. Swing, and this is tattooed and trouble. Out towards right field. It's gone into the Rangers' bullpen. Jonah Heim with a walk-off. Two-run home run off of Diego Castillo. I'm second home run tonight. And the Rangers win it in 10. 5-4 is the final score. And, and then he does it the next night. I mean, come on. Here he is destroying our dreams. And the right-hander's 2-2 pitch. Swing and a fly ball deep into right field. Does Heim do it again? Yes, he does. Uh, Goodbye, baseball. Heim with a walk-off home run last night and a walk-off home run this afternoon as the Rangers get three runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to come from behind and beat the Mariners 4-3 to back-to-back home runs by Andy Abanez to tie it. Jonah Heim strikes again to win it. Here in the bottom of the ninth inning, and what a shocking loss for the Mariners. Cole Calhoun, Eric Chavez, uh, I'm forgetting one, Luis Valbuena, rest in peace. That dude on the Angels. Yeah, well, David Fletcher is killing everybody, but especially the Mariners. He's definitely killing the Mariners especially, but he's hitting against everybody. But he definitely takes up to another level. He's taking Cole Calhoun's spot as the Angels Mariners killer. DJ, as someone who casually follows baseball outside of Seattle, I don't know who David Fletcher is. I don't know who Jonah Heim is. I can't believe I actually remembered his name here. That guy should not be looking like, again, David Ortiz against you. He's just dropping clutch bombs in your face. It's the Texas Rangers. This is the minor league baseball team. And yeah, I'm sounding cocky now as someone who follows the Mariners. Guess what? Our standards are raised. We are now, we can act like little show ponies when it comes to the way that we carry ourselves walking around. At least for now. Maybe we can't next year. Whatever the case. That shouldn't happen. You shouldn't lose two of three to Texas. But can we pause for a moment? This is where I do the record scratch. Can we stop just saying, oh, it's the Kendall Grave, but trades fall. Can we stop with that? Can we stop? Because if you take a look at the numbers... 
Kendall Graveman trade has been good. The Diego Castillo trade, it is removed, obviously, Saturday. Mm, he's the one that's blowing things. Hopefully next time around that's not the case. Graveman's only pitched once since joining Houston. That's it, just once. Abraham Toro has played every single game for the Mariners since joining. He is 9 for 18. He has two home runs. He has three doubles. He has two three-hit games. This is a guy that, I, honestly, I, I, I look at it and I'm thinking, man, Houston's got a really good infield if this guy isn't able to see more playing time. And, of course, when he played for the Astros against the Mariners, oh, he was doing damage too because he had a home run in the first game. This is a guy who I think looks like a pretty good player. And add this to the equation. You know, the bullpen, it's the Mariners' strength. Maybe you are best suited by keeping your strengths strong over the course of a season. But I'm of the belief that you try to spread the wealth around. Your bullpen can't be your entire strength, especially long-term. You can't predict it year to year. We'll see what happens with Diego Castillo. You don't know that Graven was going to do this next year. But this, this team needs lineup help desperately. Negative 56 run differential. I mean, that's not good. And this is a guy, Abraham Toro, who has been, thus far, great. 9 for 18 is great, especially for this team, with so many guys that are hitting sub 220 who were hitting sub 200 for a while. So, I get it. Chemistry, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to dismiss the idea of chemistry entirely, but people are acting like this thing is the end of the world. Now, some of you guys are going to feel one way about Jerry DePoto. You're going to say, oh, I don't want to hear anything he has to say. Others, maybe you're, you're like me and you, you feel like he's taking the team in the right direction. But you have some questions and you wish that he had done a little bit more at the trade deadline. But DePoto kept it real. 2021, what they're doing right now, it's, it's cool. But the additions of Castillo and Toro are for this year and for years to come. We're a young team. We're growing. We would we would very much like to be in, in the hunt for a postseason berth this year, but we feel like 2022 and beyond are, are real opportunities for us. And, you know, the additions of, of players like Diego and Abraham Toro really help us in that regard. And this made me even more happy with the move in retrospect. When the Mariners made the Austin Nola trade last year and got Ty France in it, Jerry had been pursuing Ty France for a while. This is a guy that he and the Mariners front office felt really good about. And they finally were able to get him. And guess what he has been since joining the Mariners? Really good. Abraham Toro is also somebody that the Mariners have had their eye on for a couple of years. Uh, he's been on our radar for years. Uh, we, we've roughly been in touch with or trying to acquire uh, Toro, I would say, for the last three years uh, on and off. And it's, it's always hard to, to do deals in this league in general, but it's always particularly hard to do them in your division. There's a track record. With Ty France, he was right. Isn't it possible that he's going to be right with Abraham Toro? And aren't the bats the big question that you have for the Mariners the rest of the season, not the pitching? That's how I feel. But I'll leave that up to you. This is the question of today's show. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. I also have a poll up on Twitter. Akalon says, what's a bigger concern for the Mariners the rest of the season? Their pitching or their bats? To me, it's their bats. they got to start scoring. Yeah, the bullpen fell apart Saturday and Sunday. But, 
I mean, you're scoring, what, three runs Sunday against the Texas Rangers? You're scoring four runs against the Texas Rangers on Saturday? Well, you did on Friday. That should be a realistic thing that happens every single time you go up against Texas, even if you aren't one of the better offenses in baseball. And you had plenty of opportunities over the course of this week, and I believe 24 runners left on base. You had plenty of chances. You got to come through with them. And you know what? One way to get better results at the plate is to, I don't know, add a bat. Jerry did that. So I think it's time for us to stop playing the sad little tiny violin and move on because this is the real world. And, yeah, feelings, chemistry, all of those things, they are not without importance, but this team needs to move on. And Abraham Toro should be helping them do that. We'll see how they do in these upcoming series, though, against Tampa Bay and New York. Yikes. Tough stretch, and that's why losing 2-3 or to Texas is embarrassing. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. You can jump in 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. You get to call in in five minutes, your chance to be heard. Right now, it's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with DJ Wilder. Good morning, afternoon, DJ Wilder. How are you now? I'm doing good. This fine morning, Paul. How are you doing? I am annoyed with the Mariners, as I have laid out a little mad. Mm-hmm. But they got to move on. Yeah. They got to move on from their feelings of frustration. I look, I I understand them, but you can't lose two or three to Texas. You can't lose two or three to Texas like that. And I just think it's kind of lazy to blame those falling aparts entirely on the Kendall Graveman trade. And I'll say we're not hearing the players. Just want to make that clear. We're not saying like players are blaming that. Like they're, they're not no. saying that at least publicly. This is this is yeah. a lot of people that follow the team DJ online specifically who are like, oh god, of course, don't the Mariners. Even, don't even get me started. Oh yeah, you're getting mad. Some don't people on Twitter last night. Don't even get me started. Saturday. I, I kind of want to get bad. you started now no, though. That no, you're saying you don't, don't want to no, get me don't. started. Okay, number one, Carson <laughs> Wentz. Colts quarterback, he is now undergoing foot surgery, and he will be out 5 to 12 weeks. He's supposedly going to get a bone removed from his foot. I don't know how that works. But as we said on Friday, why this is so interesting, the Seahawks take on the Colts week one of the NFL season. So I guess five weeks, there's there's a chance he could be back? Yeah, because we're about six weeks away yeah. from the opener. So ideally, the Colts want to have him on the field. If he's not out there, 1-0. 1-0. DJ shaking his head. There's no such thing as jinxes, DJ. There's no such thing as ghosts. It's not. It's not that they just tend to play. We know this. They tend to play down to their opponents. Yes, they'll probably make it a much closer game than it needs to be, which frustrates the hell out of me, and I'll never be able to accept that. But at the same time, I don't care who's under center, and I know that they lost to Colt McCoy, and I know that they lost to Teddy Bridgewater, and I know that they also lost to uh, what's his face, Brett Hundley. Uh, the, the Colts signed, by the way. Yeah, yeah the that's weekend. true. That's true. Uh, and I get it. I get it. And that technically they lost to John Walford, who was the starting quarterback for the Rams in that playoff game. I get it. I get it. Don't care. Want to know. Put it down. Carson Wentz, if he's not in that game, they are winning because Jacob Barrel Roll Eason is going to barrel roll his way into like three or four sacks, and I'm going to love it. What's up, man? So this is an interesting story in college sports, in my opinion. So five-star quarterback, Quinn Ewers, he is 
the number one quarterback in the class of 2022. He is skipping his senior year of high school, and he's enrolling early at Ohio State. Mm. And a lot of people are thinking so he could, you know, earn endorsement money. He's a very, you know, he's projected to be a top pick when his draft rolls around and all that. And I just think it's really interesting because now we're seeing more players do this, and this is a very high-profile recruit. And I think it's just really interesting to see this. This impacts college football for every school, whether you get these type of recruits or not. Uh, I, it's, it's very intriguing to see this, Paul. Certain schools have better opportunities compared to other ones, and I, I don't think this is good for UW. I don't think this is good for Washington State either. I feel like this is going to make them sitting on the outside awkwardly at the non-cool kids table while great prospects go to other parts of the country that are in your own backyard. And, you know, we've seen that. We've seen that with UW, and obviously the recruiting classes have not been awesome for them of late. It hasn't hurt them on the field, but now, you know, you remove Chris Peterson from the equation, and it's year two with Jimmy Lake. Is he going to be able to bring in these same type of guys with things changing? The rich are going to get richer, and I think that we might get to a point where those teams are so good, and they already are. Like, every single year, isn't the assumption it's going to be of these six teams for Alabama, I guess LSU, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, and... There's always going to be like a random Notre Dame. six team. Yeah, like Notre, Notre Dame. Dame in there. Those, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, those are the only teams that have made it into the college football playoff outside of UW. Like since the... Since, uh, Oregon made it. Oh, yeah, Oregon. Florida yeah. State made it. Oregon beat Florida State. But you're right. Like that's it's really been a while. Michigan, Michigan State made it one year. That was weird. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. Of late, it's been the same usual suspects, and I imagine it's going to continue to be the same usual suspects. And it's frustrating, too, that UW's losing out to guys who are legitimately right here. But I can understand why. It's Ohio State, you know, and national recruiting, it's, it's a lot easier to do these days, that's for sure. That is What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. I am Paul Gallant. 206-421-3776. That is how you call in. You can text in to 710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The question of today's show, what's a bigger concern for the Mariners the rest of the season? Their pitching or their bats? Got to pick one or the other. Your chance to do it is right now. Your voice, voice. your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. My answer to that to that question is the bats, and that's why they brought in from um, that's why they brought in Abraham Toro. You have a good point, Paul, writes a texter from the 425, but the Graben trade wasn't ultimately for Toro. I like Toro, but DePoto tried to placate us with the other move, which was for Montero 2.0 from Tampa. That is reactionary. I think we need to give this a little bit more time with Diego Castillo, but the immediate results are bad, of course, when you blow it against the Texas Rangers. Yep, that's just the way it goes. It's not to say, though, that, I mean, this is a, something that we're going to predict going forward, that he is just going to fall apart, to collapse the way that we, we saw Montero do. No, I, I, I feel like you're overreacting to one start. It's just easy to overreact to it because it's against the Texas Rangers who stink. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. It's just time to go in another direction. DePoto and Service are not doing the job. How do we keep coming back to this so quickly? Okay, with the Poto, I kind of get it. With service, I don't. Where is the anti-service rhetoric coming from? Can someone please explain it to me? This guy's a manager of the year candidate. This team is overachieving. They have a negative run differential. He had to deal with issues that were created by Kevin Mather this offseason 
And right now he's trying to smooth things out with the team as it is right now. So, yeah, I don't get that. Uh, text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company text line. Both the bats and the pitching are a concern, but Jerry addressed both because the major pitching concern was starting pitching. Plus, Toro has been good. Another texter writes, it's time to play the violin, though. This 2021 ship is sinking. 206-421-3776 on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. That's how you get aboard. You can tweet me, too. At Gallant says, if you so choose. Let's go to Sean up first in Centralia. Sean, what's going on? Well, Paul, I know you totally disagree with what I'm going to say, so I'll say it quick. <laughs> 24 and 11 in the last 36 games. They have a plus 18 differential before mm-hmm. the trade. Now, which is the right Seattle Mariners? We can belabor that all day long, but the fact is they were playing as a team that's playoff bound. The other thing is quick. Sean, you there still? You have Our, another point. We saw the same from Tramel, mm-hmm. and we have, you know, we have not seen Toro enough at second base because that's not his natural position. We know that France doesn't have a natural position. What is Toro's natural position going forward? Last but not least, okay. 13 teams have made it to the World Series as wild cards. Yep. The last two Giants World Series wins, wild card. Mm-hmm. Angels' only World Series, wild card. Marlins' only two World Series, wild card. They've never won a division. Colorado Rockies made it to the World Series as a wild card. I, I, I get where you're going with that, Sean. I appreciate the phone hey, call. Thanks. That's it. Okay, appreciate the phone call. Uh, look, those those teams had really good players, those teams that you mentioned. Like the those Marlins teams, the last one, they had um, uh, Josh Beckett. The original ones, what? They had like Gary Sheffield, right? I mean, those teams, the, the, the first team, the 97 team was loaded. Um, you know, also on top of that, with the Rockies, they had Troy Tulowitzki playing at a ridiculous level then. Like the Mariners don't have a guy like that right now. Not as a pitcher, not as a not as a player. Uh, Toro, I think, ideally is going to get moved to third base to address the second one. And to the first point that Sean brought up, they were twenty four and eleven. Is that going to stay? Is that going to continue? Come on, I mean, we we got to be honest here. That they're playing great, but how many teams do we see play great for like a month and and then they kind of fall back to to earth a bit? We see it from the Oakland A's like every year, where they have one month where they just can't win, where they can't lose. And then the rest of the season sort of comes back to uh, level as things go on. Like, they were playing at a really great clip. You can argue that maybe the Kendall Graveman trade disrupts said momentum, but are you going to rely on said momentum the rest of the year? I don't think you can. Corey's in Pialop, 206-421-3776. Corey, what's up? How you doing? Um, personally, I don't think the Gradman trade really mattered much. I mean, he was going to get moved anyway. The timing wasn't the best. And if you look at Gradman's stats, his expected batting average was one of the worst. So he was really lucky. He was actually the luckiest pitcher in the league. And Joe Smith was actually the unluckiest pitcher in the league. So, I mean, if you even them all out, Gradman is going to come back down to earth. And I like Toro a lot. I mean, all he's done is produce. I mean, how can you not like the guy, really? Um, I didn't like Swanee closing out last night. Yeah. Has he he ever done that? No, I think they're trying new things just because they have him. Let's see what happens. I I didn't like that. I mean, bring Seawald in if you're going to do it. The guy's done it before. I feel like we kind of needed that game, and that was one that really hurt. Um, But these two series are just as big as the Astros and A's were last week. I mean, 
the Yankees and Rays. I mean, but I feel like we also play up to our competition. So, I mean, we swept the Rays four games. I mean, I think the Rays personally are the best team in the league still, even in the – Interesting. Even with the NL, I think they're better than the Giants, really. I just think they do stuff so right there. They, they hit on everything. They're smart. They really are smart, Corey, and appreciate the phone call. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm with Corey on a lot of those points there, and I feel that the rest of this season, you know, if, if they are able to make a playoff push, great. If they play up to their level of competition, time to do it this coming week because you got the Rays and you got the Yankees. If they play well in those series, are we going to be having a different conversation? Are we going to move on from Kendall Graveman trade? Look, I get he's loved in the clubhouse, but I, I feel like the reaction should be from the clubhouse, honestly. And, and some of the reactions that we have seen so strong outside of it, like acting like they just popped the balloon. Give it some time. It's only been a week. And they played the Astros, a team that, that was way better than them, and they lost 2-3 or three in that series. They almost lost all of them. They had that dramatic comeback at the end because the Astros' bullpen stinks. Uh, 206-421-3776, our good guy Robert in Kingsgate. Robert, what's up? Uh, Hey, Paul, um, thanks for taking my call. To answer your question, I think it is hitting that the Mariners are definitely hurting. I'm looking at our lineup, and the bottom of the lineup is terrible. And then I'm wondering, what happened to J.P. Crawford? He was like your guys' little star. Still our star? Now, Now he's like a like a nebula ready to implode on himself look and he was playing at just like the mariners were playing at such a good level robert i mean with with jp crawford you, you had to assume that he was going to fall back to earth a little bit he was hitting 400 for a month you know like that hasn't been done over the entirety of a season since what ted williams and that was in the 40s i think so you know it's hard hard to be able to, to keep that up for the rest of the season but yeah he's cooled off a bit of late that's for sure you know, and I'm really impressed with Dylan Moore, you know, but I don't think he's going to be anything special for uh, us in the future. So I just wanted to call and say that, one, I can't say the word I wanted to tell you on the air, what I told your producer, but I think you're wrong about um, the chemistry part of this team because you can see that our our team kind of just doesn't have it anymore since this trade. And it just feels like a lot of people went on the air, you know, or not on the air, but just have been quoted saying, this is typical Mariners. And these are players on the team saying this. So, you know, what I'm really hoping for coming this, you know, because I don't see us going to the playoffs. Scratch the playoffs out. We're done. This team is not playoff oh, worthy. You're so, you know? Robert, it's been a week. It's been a week. Sorry. When you lose to Texas, and I told my wife this, we should sweep this team. This should not even hey, be a question. I agree, but you don't cancel the season because they can't beat Texas. You can be mad at them. Well, and- if they can't beat Texas, Paul, how are we going to beat real teams? It's, really tr- it's different than football, them? though, Robert. And appreciate the phone call. Look, it, I, I have done this in the past, too, where I'll overreact to a series loss against a team. That stinks. I'm mad about the series loss. Texas stinks. You shouldn't blow two saves. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're going to have opportunities again. I, I, I get this argument that you've disrupted the momentum. I get it. Okay? I'm not, I'm not telling you you're wrong if you feel that way. But I do think the team got incrementally better. And I feel like they all got to get over it. I don't think that's too hard to do. Michael Bumpus is going to join me next to talk about Seahawks training camp and the week one victory for the Seahawks because Carson Wentz is out, probably. We'll talk about that next. It's 1030. 
And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, man, if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're gonna to fail. With Paul Gallant. Our training camp coverage is brought to you by Precore Home Fitness. And by the way, you want to be listening tomorrow for your chance to win tickets to the Mariners next fireworks night. Friday, August 13th, and the Mariners host the Blue Jays. They're going to light up the night sky to your favorite tracks from the 1990s. Ooh, I'm excited now. Find tickets at Mariners.com. Joining me in the sports pit, the one, the only, Michael Bumpus. Favorite track from the 1990s. Favorite track from the, excuse me, 1990s. Um, California Love all day. California. Yes. Yeah. Out on bail, fresh out of jail. California dreaming. <laughs> All right, question number one for you, Michael Bumpus. So the Seattle Seahawks, I think just one week one because Carson Wentz is having a bone removed from his foot or something, and it sounds like he's going to be out for about five weeks, which means that it's either Jacob Eason or uh, Brett Hundley, who did beat the Seahawks as a backup quarterback that one time, but we don't talk about that. Uh, am I right to be confident that the Seahawks are going to win week one? Yeah, you, you should be confident. We were... And I think you and I were on the same page when we talked about how we thought Carson Wentz was going to have a good year. Yeah. You know, he was back with Frank Reich. He was a pro bowler when he was teamed up with him. Um, I felt good about the situation. So now you have to depend on Huntley, who you mentioned, beat the Seahawks one time, or Jacob Eason. Like, where is this franchise going to go week one? They have a pro bowl type running back in Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you have an aging receiver in T.Y. Hilton. Got a young guy in Michael Pittman. I'm talking about the Colts right now coming up. They look like they were going to be good to go. A top 10 defense last year. Uh, made the playoffs in a wild card spot. And then this happens. Feel bad for Carson Wentz. Seems like he just cannot get right. But I think it's safe to say you, the Hawks are going to win week one. Now, you still got to show up. They're still going on the road. We know in the past, uh, years ago, they weren't great on the road in those early starts. Um, but it's, it's looking favorable, man. All signs tell me that 1-0, let's go. It is a bummer for our Wentz wagon, though, because it's now, once yeah, again, man. it just keeps on getting beaten up. You know, I, I, I feel for him because <laughs> the guy just seems to have zero luck from an injury perspective. And over and over and over again, it's just like one body part and another and another. I, I do feel bad for him because sometimes some guys just can't get a break. Yeah, they can't. And it's not even his fault. This is a bone in his foot that was loose and it slowly got worse and worse. And um, there's something, it's something that he could have tried to kind of gone through without surgery but you hear frank talk he goes look we want to do what we know is going to work that's why they elected to have surgery mentally he has to be tough right now we'll see when he comes back and then if jacob easton goes out gets a starting job and balls out it might be a wrap for winston indy before it even started i don't know if that's gonna happen though i don't i don't I'm, i'm skeptical i'm skeptical but i guess we could all be surprised and some of you UW fans out there would love to see that take place, but uh, yeah, we coops. We, we ain't playing that. Uh, hey, I'm I'm rooting for Jacob just because he's a local kid. I coach against him at Lake Stevens, so I I hope he does well. But yeah, that would stink a little bit. Yeah, you you know what? You're good. You're a good man. Uh, I'm not, and uh, I'll just move on to the next question. But but <laughs> we got a quarterback competition at Seahawks training camp, and uh, that's what I've been paying the most attention to. I've only been out there. Um, one day, I'm going to be going out to Seahawks training camp uh, this afternoon to check it out some more. So I'm going to be focusing on those cornerbacks. Uh, what have you seen, though, in your, in your days out of training camp thus far? Uh, when we look at the cornerback spot, it looks like DJ Reed is locked in. 
He's going to be the starting corner on one side um, of the formation. Now they're trying to find out who is going to be on the other side. Now I'm thinking where the spoon is in the lead, but then you hear Pete Carroll talk about Randall. He goes, look, man, he has good feet. He's coming out. He um, he looks smart. He's played safety and he's played corner. He was banged up a few years, had a good rookie season with the Green Bay Packers, had four interceptions, and he's kind of leaning on that. He goes, look, if he can get back to the guy that we saw back there, he's got a chance to play. But then you still got guys like Trey Flowers who's going to be in the mix. You will see Trey Flowers hours on the field at some point this year, probably not in the starter role. Then you have Trey Brown, and then you have Desir as well. And let's not forget, Marquise Blair is moving everywhere as well. He's been mm-hmm. in the nickel, the safety, the corner spot. I mean, this is a spot right here that they needed to improve in because we know that they were the, the take-the-top-off type defense when it comes to teams throwing the football on them. Uh, so they need to tighten some spots up. I like the competition because it means no one's comfortable. No one's going to just, just mail this thing in and say, I'll see you week one. Guys are going to compete. I like that DJ's holding it down, but Randall's in the mix now. we got to look after him. At that wide receiver spot, the position that you played so well, Bump, we also have a question about who's going to be that third wide receiver. Dwayne Eskridge is dealing with that injury. We'll see if he's back out uh, in a little bit. It does sound at the very least like he's running, so maybe he won't be too far behind the eight ball when he finally is able to get out on the field. But who, in your opinion, is going to, if Eskridge isn't ready to go at the start of the season and maybe is behind the eight ball, who's going to fill that void? Who's going to be the guy that steps up? Man, a guy that I've seen getting reps with the one at that number three spot is Freddie Swain. Um, mm. he, he, they've been using him a lot on those jet sweep motions and getting him the football and, and kind of mixing them in. He'll run with the ones, he'll run with the twos as well. But this is a guy, last year, Pete Carroll said he distrusted because he knew every position. So it doesn't surprise me that with a new offense coming in and a bunch of young guys fighting for that third spot, that he's getting the reps right now. Eventually, when Eskridge gets back, He's going to get his opportunities out there. You don't draft a, your first draft pick and not give him opportunities. But right now, it's looking like Freddie Swain is leading the charge. I've seen Ursua in the mix a little bit, but um, it's all about Freddie at this point. Everyone's favorite, John Ursua. Uh, Ten feet tall, uh, lightning from his eyes, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> uh, what, what, one last question, Bump. And, you know, you're going to be better able to, I think, pick this up than, than a lot of people out there, having been a coach, not only a player. What are you seeing that is different from the Seahawks offense, observing it? Is there anything that you have noticed in the first couple of days? And, of course, they're keeping everything rather vanilla, I'd imagine, to this point. But is there anything that has jumped out to you about the new Shane Waldron offense? Yeah, lots of tight formations, lots of stacked receivers. So a stacked receiver is when, say, you have the X on the ball, and instead of your slot receiver being three and four yards inside of him, he's literally right behind him on a one-by-one yard type of look. And then um, a lot of shifting emotions. Sometimes they'll they'll shift the tight end over to slow things down and identify the coverage. Sometimes they'll move them quickly. There's some misdirection stuff. I mean, it's all pre-snap stuff. Once the ball is snapped, there are always areas that you have to get to, right? You got to hit the flat, intermediate, deep, and all that good stuff. But pre-snap, the dressing looks a bit different. And I remember playing as a receiver when you can – gain leverage on a defense, right? If I'm in the slot and I'm nice and tight, I'm tighter than usual, and now I can force this defender outside, slide inside up the seam, it, it gives me more creativity. So I think that's what I'm seeing so far is um, the pre-stab motion and shifts and then the tight formation. There's tight bunch, tight stack, and where they're moving their tight ends. I've seen tight ends lined up at the receiver spot more than I've seen last year. He is Michael Bump. Is that Michael Bump is five on Twitter? You got to be following him to get all sorts of Seahawks coverage from training camp, from the eyes of a man who played the game. Bump, appreciate it, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Galan, holla at you, man. That is Michael Bump, is everybody in the sports pit. It is the Paul Galan Show, 710 ESPN Seattle, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Question of today's show.
Guys, what's a bigger need for the Mariners right now? Is it their bats? Is it their pitching? And I know some of you guys don't think that they addressed either of them at the trade deadline. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. As the Colts turn, we have sort of an update as far as the future of the Indianapolis Colts, who might be under center when Indianapolis hosts the Seattle Seahawks in week one of this coming season. Nick Foles, Bears quarterback, is somebody who could potentially be an alternative for Indy. Frank Reich, of course, coached him to a Super Bowl victory. Foles was the backup to Carson Wentz in Philadelphia. Foles is aware of trade talks surrounding him. I don't know if those trade talks are legit. Got to be honest. I feel like Matt Nagy was trying to create them when he was asked about it, I guess, this weekend. He's like, yeah, we know a lot of people are into Nick Foles. He hasn't spoken to Frank Reich, but... Foles had this to say, Frank is one of my favorite, if not my favorite coach of all time. So basically, Foles, I guess, wants to have input on where he would go if he were to be traded. Fat chance of that happening, buddy. But I would be curious to see if he ends up going there. If Nick Foles is under center for week one against the Seattle Seahawks, I I would not. I don't think Nick Foles is, is, is good anymore. But... I would not say that the Seahawks already have a win. But if it's going to be Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley, no matter how cocky it might be and no matter how we all know that they're going to play a game where they win, I don't know, like 15-11 to 11 against Indianapolis if, if there's no Carson, or no Carson Wentz under center, they're still going to win. So if Carson Wentz is not healthy and they don't make a trade, they're going to win in week one. That is at least how I am feeling right now. Text in 710-710. Tweet me, Akalon says, 206-421-3776 is how you call in. Question of today's show, what's a bigger concern for the Mariners the rest of the season? Is it their pitching or is it their bats? I think it's their bats, and that's why I feel like the Abraham Toro trade made a lot of sense. And by the way, it's been a great trade. This is a guy that Jerry Depoto wanted for years, three years to be specific. This is a guy who is eight, uh, nine for 18 in his first couple of games with the Mariners. He's got two home runs. He's got three doubles. He's got two three-hit games. Upgrade. They upgraded their lineup at the expense of their bullpen, but then they added Diego Castillo. You can't tell me that they didn't get better. You can say they didn't get better enough. You can say that they stood pat comparatively to some of the other big boys in the American League, but guess what? You're not a big boy. You're walking into the six-foot-tall club, and you got platform shoes on. Some people do that, by the way. I've never done it. I do feel like I'm a slightly taller because I have inserts because I'm an old person now. And by old, I know I'm not that old. But you are lying to yourself if you really felt like they had a strong, legitimate chance. And I know that this is disrespectful to the players to an extent, but I'm, I'm just being real here. It was going to be an uphill battle for them to get there. I would love for them to shut me up. Don't get me wrong. Like I never, I never want to be proven correct on these assessments that I have. I'd like to, to to end up being wrong here, but there was nothing that they were going to do to add that was going to make them a legitimate World Series contender. It just wasn't going to happen. And I know someone texted in earlier and they say, oh, well, th- that's why they play the games. Sure. How many how many times are you going to have to play the games? How many how many different outcomes are there where the Mariners don't go home, don't uh, get to the World Series? Just about all of them. There's like one, 
one small, small infinitesimal, infinitesimal, infinitesimal. Oh, shoot. I'm just going to pretend I didn't say that word. <laughs> There's one small minuscule chance that they're going to have to get there. Like one. The odds of them hitting that one in a million shot, I, I, I just don't buy it. 206-421-3776. That is how you call into the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Joseph's in Tacoma. Joseph, what's up? Morning, Paul. How you doing? Uh, so I, I just wanted to say, uh, overall, not exactly sure we got better. Uh, overall, uh, it does appear that Toro will and in, in, will improve the offense. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you stated right after that trade, San Diego does not trade young stud pitchers without oh, a reason. Yeah. And the last handful of them that they have, the moment they left Tampa Bay, they pretty much fell off a cliff. So, little wary about Castillo, and let's face it, for as bad as uh, Montero was, Joe Smith has actually been worse. <laughs> really? So I don't think they improved. The, the bullpen took a hit. I think the offense will be improved, but so I don't. It's, it's difficult for me to say that they got better when I'm looking at what went out as opposed to what came in, and uh, it's just they need help on, on both parts. First off, yeah, they do, no doubt. You got to pick and, one or the other, though. And Anderson was the exact kind of pitcher that I expected him, you know, to grab a Mike Leake type. Okay. Not gonna blow. Not gonna blow you away, but we'll give you a chance to win. Yeah, and you needed so, a fifth starter. So look, yeah. I mean, you're you're adding things up here, and I'm with you to an extent on like, well, we gotta wait with Diego Castillo to determine whether or not he is an upgrade. For your roster long term, he is an upgrade though, because you have somebody that's definitively under contract. It's gonna be a matter of him actually staying in shape, actually, you know, being able to shake off what happened on Saturday, where he's blowing a game against the Texas Rangers. So I, I understand some reservations about Castillo right now, but I don't want us to be so overreactionary because of two back-to-back games that you blew. Kendall Graveman may be pitching in one of them, and I'm assuming that if you don't trade Kendall Graveman, I'm assuming that you didn't get Diego Castillo. In fact, I'm assuming you probably didn't do anything. And, I, I mean, you've, you've needed Abraham Toro each of the last couple of games to – provide what he's been bringing to the table. I mean, he's been keeping you in these ones. I would say with Diego Castillo, give it time. I understand some anger. And honestly, your anger is warranted right now. This is not me saying, like, don't be mad at the Mariners. This is just me saying that the trade, I think it makes them better. Slightly, yes. Slightly is good for now. You don't want to take any big swings. You could find yourself in a situation like, Let's say San Diego right now. Everything's kind of falling apart for San Diego. You know, they 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 didn't make any of the trades at the trade deadline while San Francisco was able to get uh, Chris Bryant. And the Dodgers, they bring in some talent. And they've been really aggressive for the last couple of years. Sometimes you push your chips into the table a little bit too early. The Mariners should be so far away from the idea of pushing their chips to the center of the table. you got to see some of these guys, and if they're actually going to be real, legit, star kind of players when they finally come up to the majors. Maybe Kalnick will be that. Uh, a little skeptical right now about that. But he had a good weekend, too. I mean, he had a home run on Friday. He uh, had a hit and two walks yesterday. It was a two-hit game on Friday. His average is now up to 125. So, <laughs> patience is hard. I get it especially after 20 years, I also get that. But they got a little bit better, and Abraham Toro has been great thus far. And you can't, you can't tell me otherwise. I'm Paul Gallant. 
this was the Paul Gallant Show. Big thanks to everybody who called in, to texted in, who tweeted in, to Michael Bumpus, who stopped by in the sports pit, and to DJ Wilder behind the glass, who's been making this thing happen. I am really Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell, Jacob Stacey. You're next.